Huge IQ, great performance at school, but you gave up. Drugs, petty crimes, never had a job. It set you on a certain path, but you needn't stay on it. I've never met a tailor before, but I know you ain't one. Come with me. What do you see? I see a young man with potential. Very nice. We are an independent international intelligence agency no operating at the highest level of discretion. Hello and welcome to Movie <laughs> Welcome to Movie Smash, the podcast that looks at comic book movies that you may or may not remember. If you're the type of person that enjoys talking about hidden gems or just likes to tear old movies apart, this is the place for you. And with that, let's get started. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Roberts. I am the founder of Off Panel Creations, and with me today, I've got Jeremy Parmentier. Hi, I'm Jeremy Parmentier, also the Retrovaniacs podcast and the band Subtastics. I also happen to like movies and comics, so this is a perfect fit. And Fergal Mayo. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Fergal Mayo, your prodigious proprietor, owner, and operator of Gotham Night Comics in Livonia, Michigan, where we get our nerd on. I also happen to love comics quite fantastically. So this is an amazing show. I'm excited to be a part of it. I hope you like comics, else your day job sucks. <laughs> I'm not in a band, though, although I wish I was. <laughs> so our movie today is... 2014's Kingsman, The Secret Service, uh, starring Colin Farrath, Taron Egerton, Samuel L. Jackson, and Michael Caine, who actually just retired recently, too. It was directed by Matthew Vaughn. Um, so before we jump into this movie, guys, let's talk a little about your previous experience with it. Were you guys familiar that this was a comic book? Yes, I was. I actually, this is actually a pretty expansive set of comic books. So I've, I've read them when they first came out in 2012 and just enjoyed them. Um, and I enjoyed the fact that it was part of a shared universe, which I'll get into later. Yeah, I found out this was a comic book movie uh, when you put it on the list of things we're going to look at. I had no idea. I hadn't heard of it before. Um, I remember the movie when it came out, but I hadn't seen it. So this was all new to me. And I found out the same time you did, Jeremy. So <laughs> this was an interesting experience. I did not know this was a comic book movie at all. So who saw this movie before our, our taping of the show? Oh, I did. <laughs> I own the movie. <laughs> nope. I, I watched it this morning, in fact. So it, <laughs> I saw it today. I could tell you all about what I did when I saw it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I saw this movie myself just, uh, just yesterday. So, so, Fergal, since you're the only one who saw this movie, um, mm -hmm. what, what were your thoughts about this movie when you saw it back then? proper movie it was a, it's for having been a james i'm a james bond fanatic i mean i love ian fleming i love spy movies mission impossible is probably one of the best movies out there in terms of spy movies along with 007 so this was a great spy movie with a comic twist um proper in every sense slightly fantastical um wonderful stereotypes with your big bads and all your characters just a great overall movie to watch and Jeremy, you said you had not seen it, but I think you mentioned you, you did remember it being in theaters. So what made you not see it at the time? 
I don't really care for Bond movies. I don't hate them by any means. I'm not like anti-Bond or, or Mission Impossible. Any of those. They're, when I see them, I enjoy them. But I never hunt them out, and I'm not like, oh, man, I love this one over this. I, they're just, they're fine. I'm not a big fan. Um, I, I'd like things to be a little funnier, and some of those are a little funny, and some some things are like, uh, you know, way too over the top, right? So, I don't know. This, this I thought at the time, not only was it a Bond sort of movie, but it's also a movie that, where it's like, oh, the younger kid guy comes up and becomes a spy. I'm like, man, I don't need to see another movie where kids are, you know, it's not even a kid. He's he's a young adult. But, you know, I'm an old man now. So to me, it was like, oh, great, a kid's going to be a spy. I don't need to see that. I've already seen movies like that. I'm good to go. Uh, it's not what I thought it was at all. Yeah, for me personally, I, I chose not to see it just because 2014, there was a lot going on in my life. In fact, I don't think I saw any movies around that time period. But uh, Fergal, as our co- local comic book historian, can you tell us a little about the background of this movie or about the comic book itself? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to share my knowledge of comic lore. Uh, so this movie is unique, or this comic is unique in the sense that it was written by the famous Mark Miller and it's illustrated by Dave Gibbons. It's a 2012 book. Um it, it it's so what's unique about this is this is part of the Miller shared universe. They call it the Millerverse. What I mean by that is that in case you guys don't know, Miller also directed or wrote the story Kick-Ass and he also wrote the story Wanted. And all of those were meant to share a singular universe of which Kingsman is a part of. Um, the comic does hew much closer to that shared universe. Um, and that's part of what excited me about seeing the movies. I actually thought, oh wow, they're going to bring this universe together. Um, but but in overall, the comic has some variations. It's not a stranger. It's an uncle. Um, you know, there's a three-year program. There's still a big, bad tech guy. But there are more stories. And a couple fun facts that you'll love. Um, the last comic in the series called The Big Game, Eggsy actually has to stop Wesley Gibson, who was the guy in Wanted, from assassinating with the fraternity Hit Girl, who was in the movie Kick-Ass. So that just gives you a little fun fact to add to the storyline here. That's a serious set of crossovers. I remember the movie Wanted. Uh, that was uh, was Anna, J- uh, Anna Jolie. And I remember, wasn't wasn't Jupiter's Legacy part of the Millerverse? Or am I getting that wrong? No, no, it was not. It was a complete standoff. It was actually the three stories of uh, Kick-Ass, Wanted, and, and it was supposed to be a shared... Now, it may have added in, but not in this particular storyline. Okay, so... Let's talk about the movie, not, not the comic book so much anymore. So this movie is, uh, I think, Jeremy, you put it, it's a spy thriller. It's about an independent spy organization that recruits a promising street kid, c- comes into the agency's training program, learns how to be an agent. And during that time period, a global threat emerges, played by Samuel L. Jackson, who is playing a twisted techno- tech genius, as it's called. So for, for this movie, guys, let's start with the characters, because I think personally, I think the characters really stand out. So what do you guys think about the characters? Any ones in particular thoughts? Samuel Jackson. I mean, let's start there. I mean, I thought, you know, I mean, the list was interesting, right? It was not something you would have taken for, you know, for original thought process. Like Samuel Jackson taking that list. I thought the girl with the nine feet, Sophie Batella, amazing. Colin Firth. I didn't actually think he had it in him from a martial arts standpoint. That's that kind of blew me away. Taron Egerton, I always knew, was kind of a gymnast, kind of a Tom Holland actor, but um, yeah, just great characters all around. The rest of them were sort of background. Even Michael Caine was a bit background, but the rest of them were pretty pretty well laid out, like pretty backgroundy. But those top characters, and I love Merlin. I thought he was awesome. Yeah, it, it all fits that same Bond theme, right? So it's just like if you you go to see, um, you know, any of the uh, Austin Powers movies, right? They all have those same characters that kind of fit into that Bond 
Bond theme, this has the same kind of idea. So you've got, uh, uh, you mentioned um, uh, Michael Caine's character, Arthur. He, does, yes. he doesn't need a whole lot of background there. You just know he's kind of like the the de facto head of this spy organization. You don't need to know a lot more about him. And, and in fact, it's better the less you know about him, uh, the way the story kind of unrolls. Uh, you need you kind of need a little bit of vagueness and a little bit of mystery behind him. So I, I, I did think he was actually, you know, you didn't need a lot of background for some of these characters. I did also love Samuel Jackson. Now, I do have a question. Was that lisp part of the comic, or is that something he totally just added on the fly and they ran with it? Complete Nick Cage move. Complete yeah. Nick Cage move. So, as always, I've got the trivia for you, on, for you guys on that one. So, when Samuel L. Jackson did the first shooting, the first scene that he was in, he had a lisp. And it was not on purpose because Samuel L. Jackson actually has a natural lisp that he worked years to get rid of. And it slipped through on the first taping. And the director said, cut, I want that in everything. Because all Bond villains have some abnormality to them, right? Um, either a scar on the face or... They look different, but Samuel Jackson accidentally put that lisp in the first the first scene he taped, and the director wanted it and everything. So he just leaned into his natural lisp. See, and I, I like that because I think it also makes him kind of unassuming. So you're going to have the the big bad guy have these kind of it, it. No one thinks of a lisp as like, oh, that's a strong character trait. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not something people are like. I need a big, strong guy with a lisp. Like that's not. No one's ever said that. So it's it made him kind of, you know, even less likely to be the actual big bad in this, which made him being the big bad really cool. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to your point on Arthur. I thought you're kind of right on that, but I'd like to learn a little bit more about him. But I thought the one character they didn't give us enough of was the first Lancelot because my gosh, like the when he when he first starts in that Argentinian villa. That was amazing. Like, I would have loved to learn a little bit more about that guy. And it's, we've, we've hinted at it, but if all the, just so our, people who are listening understand, all the characters, all these spies in the organization are named after King Arthur's knights. Um, Lancelot, um, King Arthur obviously runs the organization. Uh, Merlin is their tech guy. Um, so every one of these characters, and what happens when a spy dies, as uh, Fergal, you were alluding to, Lancelot dies, a new one must be recruited to replace him. And even have a sort of a round table, though it's a boardroom table scene with all them in there. So Gazelle shows up early on in the in the movie. I got to say, I was watching the movie. I was enjoying it. And all of a sudden, Gazelle shows up and the scene she's in. I don't want to give it away too much because if you're going to watch this, it is worth watching. Um, as soon as it ends with Mark Hamill in the movie, obviously, uh, I said, I was like, this is a different kind of movie. Um, she really set the tone going forward from that point for me. Just love Agreed. Agreed. I thought it was Gazelle. Was it Gazelle? Gazelle. That's where I missed it. That's with the lisp. <laughs> the problem is the, the only person who said I had a lisp the whole time. Uh, That's probably true. I got it off IMDb, so I'm hoping they're right. <laughs> I, I feel the same, but not quite the same. Uh, I didn't dislike this movie before then, but before that point, I was like, yep. It's like an extreme spy action movie like Mission Impossible. I'm good to go. And once she shows up, and I don't think you're ruining anything, because it's, it's pretty... I mean, she has... Uh, it, I. She has like big metallic feet with like blades in them, and it's like, well, this is this is a cool, neat spin on a character. Like from that point, I was like, okay, this is the kind of movie this is. I'm back in. Like before, I wasn't out, but I was kind of just like, yep, this is this is a realistic-ish. I mean, not realistic, but a a standard, unrealistic spy movie. But instead, I was like, oh no, this is something else completely different. Um, and and I kind of expected a little more of that, and I'm kind of glad I was wrong. She was the odd job of this Bond movie, essentially. 
Well, she was, yeah, as the, as the super, as the super villain, as the assassin slash henchman, she was also sort of in the same vein as Samuel Jackson, unexpected, not what you would have thought. Um, she played incredibly well role for being, there's always, you know, there's always that, you know, the man with the golden gun, uh, the, 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 um, oh God, Moonraker, the guy who ate the gun, right? The guy with the metal mouth. There's always that bad guy and, uh, who's kind of executing the, the mastermind's plan. She did well on that. So we've talked a little about the sort of the fighting scenes and the effects. So for you guys, obviously movies, this is the most recent movie we've reviewed so far. How do you feel about the effects? I mean, I thought they were good. The, the, the violence was over the top, but not ridiculous. I mean, it was, it was a, a good amount of blood. There were uh, exploding heads. There was a lot of really interesting uh, effects. Now, they were not practical. For the most part, a lot of these were CG, but they still looked good. Um, and there was some good camera work around it, so you could really kind of get some detail on it without it just laying there. Now, I'm also probably uh, a little biased since I watch mostly horror movies. Uh, if it's not blood just gushing out of them in a cartoonish fashion, I'm like, no, it's, that's enough blood. So it, it seemed like it was kind of... <laughs> I don't want to say laid back by any means, but it was, it was, I thought it was a good amount of graphic violence without being over the top. I kind of agree. I, I also think uh, to, to focus on just some of the fighting scenes, um, you know, Matthew Vaughn and, and just the idea of, of kind of that, you know, sticking to the Miller universe and kind of following, if you will, from Kick-Ass and from Wanted, all movies that have and portray some uniquely gratuitous violence. This movie also kind of follows that road. But what I thought was really interesting was the fighting and the class to it. I thought that was dope i'm just gonna stay up say that was really cool really dope and it just it the way they leaned into that that's why i was so surprised that colin first i'm not sure if he actually did those moves but damn <laughs> i think he did uh i think what they said it was 80 percent of his own stunts um in this movie and i think you're mainly alluding to the church scene in kentucky well the church scene but but the church scene was so much going on it was kind of like it was fine, but it was like a big bar fight. It was like watching uh, all of um, what's the movie with Kurt uh, with uh, like the Roadhouse. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> it was like watching all of Roadhouse crammed into like ten minutes, right? So that that scene was awesome, but that's I think more the 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 earlier scene where he goes to the bar with Eggsy yes. and the, yes. the gang members come in. Like that was a superb fighting scene. Superb. And that's where I think I've actually, I actually walk around saying manners maketh man. That's that goes out to my son all the time. Of course I don't fight him to do it, but we'll, we'll bring you could. him. You could, <laughs> I could, I could, I might be teaching him. I, I agree. The, the, the effects are fantastic. I just, the, the fight scenes, the fight scene in the church in particular, yeah, you know me, I'm always looking at the commentary for these things. It took them nine days to film that just because, there was, as you mentioned, there was so much going on in that fight scene. It is almost hard to follow. Um, it's got the shaky cam. It's got the, the camera following uh, Colin around. Don't forget the soundtrack. Do not forget the oh, soundtrack. Yeah. That's, yep. the, that's the third star of this movie is the soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack is killer. So we we're kind of alluding at the, the plot of the movie overall. What do you guys think? How'd it flow? Basic bad guy movie. I think that's the thing that makes it a great movie um, without having to commit, you know, a couple hours to re like if you didn't read the comic books and you watch this movie, you'd be like, that's a good just like watching Wanted or Kick-Ass. If you didn't read the book, you were going to enjoy the movie without losing. It's when you read the comic that you're like, oh, man, they missed about 90 percent of it. Um, 
And that's where you're going to come back and be like, wow, there's a lot more they could have put in there. But from a movie, it's got its over-the-top bad guy, its evil assassin, um, super cool good guys, mentor cast, and then everybody else which is sort of supporting in their small couple-minute roles that they had. Yeah, once I, once you kind of figured out what Valentine was doing, and not figured out, they, he tells you, but I mean, once, once it gets to the point where the, the movie explains what Valentine's doing, I was like, all right, this is great. This is over the top without being, um, and I keep saying over the top, but it really is. It is it is like a completely unrealistic plot. Uh, they, they fall into the, they, they constantly refer back to like, oh, this is the part where I tell you my plans. And he's like, sure. He's like, no, we're not going to do that. It's not this kind of movie. Like, they, they know what they're doing. It's very tongue in cheek on that whole Bond feel, and I love it. So that I did, after I got past the first uh, you know, the first 10 minutes or so, which wasn't bad, but I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this uh, as, as a whole. It's just not my kind of movie. I was fully in once you got introduced to Valentine, once you get introduced to what he was trying to do. And then j- just the, you know, we mentioned the church scene. That is such a long and gra- brutal, like, fighting scene for for so long and it gets it gives you a lot of close-ups and it's so over the top for what as it ties into his scheme it kind of shows you what an actual terrifying plan valentine has uh, it's great but it was i mean that that's where i was locked in once you found out what he was doing and they, you kind of got a, an example of it i was like oh yeah i got to see how the rest of this goes <laughs> I agree. And the fact that they were able that uh, Valentine was able to convince Obama, I think that alone should just take a moment and let's sit on that. Somehow he was able to convince <laughs> Obama of his scheme. I don't know, but that's rather interesting in and of itself. The plot wise for me, it was a very, I think you guys have sort of touched on it a little bit, but it's a very straightforward plot. There's nothing, there's no big twist, there's no surprise. But the beauty of it is, I think the beauty is in that simplicity because it allows it to stretch its legs in other areas. Like you said, it's a little cartoony, it's a little over top. I mean, it's basically a James Bond movie dialed to 11 in all the wacky parts of the James Bond movies, of the earlier James Bond movies I'm talking about. But tonally, how do you guys feel about it? I kind of mentioned the cartoony nature of it, but tonally, how do you guys feel about this thing? It started itself off from the first fight scene and just kept going. I think, uh, again, Matthew Vaughn does justice. Uh, and I'm not, you know, I, I just think in this movie and for introducing Matt Vaughn as a director and giving him a big vehicle to operate on, he set justice very well on this movie. From the soundtrack, you know, you knew what you were getting, but you didn't know what you were getting. So I think that's a great, great way to start a movie off. Yeah, I, I think, again, once you get to that first section where... Um where the henchman kind of shows her ability. I was like, okay, this is going to be a, a spoof, but not not overly, you know, Austin Powersy sort of kind of spoof on this James Bond thing. I'm going to be into it. I'm going to like it. Um, my, now, here's something, and, and maybe we want to cut this out. I don't know. I don't think I'm giving away too much. But there's some jokes in this movie that I felt like completely did not match the tone, and I'm not quite sure why they were added in. Um, mostly, and, and this is going to sound like a, I'm an old prude, but I'm going to be honest. There are some sexual jokes in here that I was like, this doesn't fit. Why was this in here? I don't care, but it was just like... I don't know. Towards the end, uh, there's there's some comments with the the when he when he say you know I'm not spoiling the movie by saying that he he manages to stop the villain right. That's kind of the point of all these Bond movies, every one of them. Um, but you know when he saves the the princess or whatever, she's like, oh man, you know if you come in here, I'll, I'll give you a kiss or whatever. And he's like, well, I'm gonna go save the world. And she's like, well, if we you save the world, we can do it in the ass or something. I was like, what the fuck is that? That came out of nowhere. How is that? Well, who decided that fit in this moment? Like it was just it would be one thing if it was like. I don't know. She's supposed to be, the, and maybe that's the whole point is she's supposed to be this like prim and proper princess character, but still it was just like, this doesn't fit in. I don't understand where this came from. 
I didn't know we could say fuck on this thing, but listen. I don't know if we can like... or not. Chris can blink it right out if he wants to. I, I will. I will mark this this episode explicit. How's that? So it's, it's just funny. add a funny sound effect. It's fine. <laughs> wah wah. Yeah. So it's interesting though for me. Like tonally, this movie came out when spy movies were gritty. Like we had, we we're going through a phase of gritty movies. In fact, this this came out the, the same Damon. year. Yeah, Matt Damon with uh, Born, the Bourne movies, right? Bourne mm-hmm. Legacy, Bourne Ultimatum. Uh, this was the same year, what, John Wick came out? Yes. Um, and that's the direction all these movies are going. And even the Daniel Craig James Bond movies, which was the inspira- – James Bond being the inspiration for this movie, had gone the way of the gritty, gray – you know, as realistic less, as you can less, get. Less Pierce Brosnan, more, uh, more John Wick. Exactly. So that this came out during that time period. So I think this movie was kind of like a reaction to that, right? Let's go back to the gentleman spy. But at the same time, it was very tongue in cheek. As I mentioned before, they sort of dialed up the James Bond portions to 11, which I think Jeremy goes into why they had that joke in there. Because James Bond always at the end of the movie gets the girl and he does it with a bad pun when he gets her like, you know, was it Christmas comes twice a year was one of them. <laughs> um, you know, so that's just worth it right there. Yeah. So I think that was their attempt to dial up the, the James Bond gets the girl at the end of the movie to 11. It, right. I, and I don't, I don't think, fine, I, yeah, I don't think it, it personally, I don't think it worked. No, I um, thought it was awkward. Yeah. It was, it was ham fisted in there because she was a very little part of the movie. So it just shows up. Um, yeah. So I I feel I feel you on that. Like I heard, I'm like that, I understand where they were trying to go. At least I believe I do. But I don't think they land. They made that landing. They it made, wasn't they, a clever pen. It, it was not it, like all those James Bond things are kind of like you know say it with a with a wink and everyone goes uh. But still, you say it with a wink, so you're not just saying like hey, stick it in my butt, which is what she basically says. You're like, well, that's crazy. Well, How does that fit in here? Well, do you know the code was to unlock her door, right? That, no. Uh, six twenty twenty no. 2625 look it up on your phone i'm not don't don't look it up on your phone <laughs> well i will add i will add one thing on the end of it when 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 he um when he uh threw that thing and again i don't think i'm ruining the movie but he, without ruining the movie when he got when he dispatched the bad guy there was a bad pun there right like there was a couple bad kind of fourth wall moment but also landed well so to your point uh, chris i think this did dial it up and specifically threw some pieces in place that would throw people off but also let them know they're not watching a bond movie yeah so this movie comes in at just over two hours uh, so it's one of the longest movies we've watched so far. How pacing wise did they land it? Did it feel like it was two hours or did it slog on for you? I think after the first few minutes, which again, were fast, I'm not saying they were slow, but I was not into it. Um, after that though, I, w- I mean, it didn't feel like two hours at all. I-, I think the only time that I thought I was kind of surprised is when, um, when they go towards the end sequence of the movie and there's a point where you're like, Oh, that's the end. And, it may not be. And I was like, there's still 20 minutes on this. What else are they going to do? And then I'm like, okay, I see what they're doing. But it, even then, I was I didn't realize it was already almost two hours at that point. So, Agreed. I think the pacing doesn't disappoint itself. I think it keeps – it doesn't lose itself, which is important. Um, you know, I think the one thing that I would have loved to have seen – and again, this is the nerd in me. This is the comic guy. A little bit more around the character development. Um, I think that, you know, you, you wouldn't have hurt yourself if you added a little bit more on the character like Charlie Hesketh, um, some of the other bad guys, some of the good guys, some of the – like that first Lancelot. I'd love to have just gotten a few minutes before, you know, that first fight scene just to understand a little bit more about him. 
so for me pacing wise i think it two hours was a good number for it um it left me wanting to know more information about the the background the lore of this organization the kingsmen the tailors um i'd want to know more about that the the thing i never like and i never like this about any of these kind of movies is the training montage of the of the young kid like there's how does this guy for being a spe a street thug to being international super spy in the matter of a 20 minute montage i, I don't ever understand how that works <laughs> well he was a, he was a military guy though keep in mind he was a marine he was a gymnast so he i think how they explained that plot hole was the fact in the bar when he mentioned when harry went through his entire resume up until that point true i do remember that ex- that exposition at that one point but still it just those montages always frustrate me I thought this one, because they were so extreme, like it wasn't just watching him in a gym or watching him in a range or, you know, it was it was all these extreme situations. I thought it was it it worked fine for this case to kind of show like, yeah, this is the kind of training where it's like you might not make it through like not just you might not make it to our to be a a member of the, the Kingsman. You might not make it out alive. I thought that was actually, you know, made it more interesting. So overall, guys, how do you feel about this film? I'd do it again. I own it. I love the movie. It comes on often on TBS and TNT and sci-fi, depending on whatever channel it's rotating through for that particular moment. And I, you know, I mean, this is a movie that I could sit and just enjoy. Although the TV version does like to bleep out the, we can kiss it in the butt. They completely bleep that. So I can't even think about that last scene because the, the way they bleep that um, and the TV rated version, but uh, it's a good movie. <laughs> hey, maybe we can kiss. Maybe we can get some ice cream like they just tell you know they make it work make it work Agreed. um i i liked it i didn't think i would care for this actually like as soon as this started i was not interested i mean i i, I was interested because we had to talk about it but otherwise i would not have finished watching this if i was just flipping channels um but then again after you get about 10 minutes in i was way into it so i did like it um i i don't know if i'll rewatch this specifically but i know there are some sequels and i'm actually interested in seeing what they do with this uh, now fergal it does does this comic run end kind of where this is this the whole run of the comic or is do the sequels cover more of what was in the comics? So the sequels go in completely different directions. I think part two, again, loosely follows the second set of comics. Um, But part three was, I don't know. Part three to me was a great back telling of the King's man, but it also probably was in general, the slowest of the movies. And I think they sort of, you know, went a completely different direction. It was co- it was not comic accurate. I mean, again, I think the second movie you get a little bit more outlandish, a little bit more over the top. But by the third movie, they kind of just went off the off the rails. So I mean, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. You should see all three movies. Second movie, ridiculous, awesome, still great. Third movie, a little bit different. Maybe they'll be up in our our list sometime. So I think we've touched on it. But guys, should people go out seek this movie and go watch it? Yes. Yeah, definitely. I, I think this is, uh, you know, I actually now want to go back since uh, Fergal's mentioned that the comics do a lot more and see what they could have done, because I thought this was still pretty uh, ridiculously over the top. I imagine the comic must have a lot more uh, in-depth uh, parts of the plan and such that I'd like to find out. So, well, it's a three it's a three year trip. Here's a good here's a good tidbit. Another fun fact. It wasn't a 20 minute montage of training. It was three year immersive program. It wasn't a stranger. It was his uncle. See, that would have made more sense. So just just to leave it there. <laughs> yeah, I personally think people should go see this movie. It, it's fun. It's a fun movie. Uh, there's nothing. I just one or two lines, like I mentioned, Jeremy. But beyond that, it's just an overall fun movie. 
Um, as long as you like over-the-top action, you're okay with lots of comic, you know, gore, if you would. Beyond that, like, it's just a fun movie. It's like Wanted. It's like Kick-Ass. It's the same vein to those type of movies. I wonder why. <laughs> it's, it's a strange coincidence, right? So I take it what, that you guys would rewatch this movie. 100%. Yeah, I, I don't, again, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't buy it. I wouldn't be like, oh, I've got to go watch this right now. But if if I was flipping around on TV or, or you know through HBO Max and saw that it was there, I'd I'd put it on. So normally we talk about a remake, but this is a pretty recent movie. This movie's only what nine years old or so. So and the franchise has now had three movies. So the question I would have is, like, without having seen the other two, I haven't seen them. Jeremy, I don't think you have. Fergal, obviously, you seem to have watched them every day. Does it deserve? <laughs> Yes, I have. <laughs> does does it deserve a fourth movie? There's actually one in development. Okay, um, does it deserve so, a fifth movie? <laughs> I, you know, I, I think if they, the only way this to me gets gets bigger and better because you can only do this thing for so long, right? You can only make these movies, you know, and and it's not Bond, so let's leave that alone because it's not Bond, it's not Mission Impossible. Um, They all have a signature thing they do. So I think this movie becomes amazing if you can bring the other universes back to this movie. If you can bring in Wanted, if you can bring in Kick-Ass, then you have something that nobody else has. So... Let's get our ratings on this, guys. The the patented Fergal thumbs up rating. Uh, what would you guys give this one? I would definitely give this a thumbs up. I wouldn't give it as enthusiastic a thumbs up as uh, perhaps TMNT, which I might be in the minority there, but I'll still give this a resounding thumbs up for being exactly what it is. Uh, I, I would give it a two-third thumbs up. Again, it was good. By, by no means would I say it's not worth watching, but um, it, you know, it's not as good as some of the other movies we've already covered. That's interesting. Yeah, I'd probably give it about a three quarters of a thumbs up. Just it, it's a fun movie. I enjoyed it. I got nothing really bad about it, but repeatability for me. I've seen the jokes, right? Maybe I'll watch it again in five or six years. If you've noticed, this is not this is not a movie I've watched three times in preparation of this. That was Fergal this time. Not me. <laughs> I am guilty, just like the chips. I am guilty. <laughs> so, guys, we have our first mailbag. We have actually two mailbags to go over today, and I'd just like to read those to you guys real fast so you can respond to them, if that's okay. That is fine. I'm glad my mom wrote us two letters. <laughs> that's so awesome. I thought it was your mom-in-law. If your mother wrote these letters, then I've got questions. <laughs> okay, the first one comes from someone named Ben. It says, hey, gentlemen, great work on your first two episodes. They obviously, he didn't read, uh, listen to the third one yet then. Uh, they've been fantastic. I'm thoroughly enjoying them. I can't wait to hear what you guys think of Constantine with Keanu Reeves, especially Fergal's opinion. Looking forward to your next episode. Yes, that may have to be our next movie. Well, thank you. Uh, I appreciate that my voice seems to come through so wonderful. It is melodic to myself, so it must be melodic to you as well. Uh, I, I don't think that. he's talking about your voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for taking away my feel goods. Uh, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm excited to look at that movie too. And another one comes from us from a JW. Uh, obviously, people can put any name in the form, so. Just going with his initials. Uh, I appreciate that the 30 Days of Night episode wasn't a pure comic book movie like Electro. You talked about a horror movie that just happened to be a comic. Good work. Keep it up. All right. See, so we've accomplished our goal of not just talking about Marvel superhero movies. So good for us. Good. Mission accomplished. <laughs> we can hang it up and retire feeling good. <laughs> I think we should all give each other a gold star. I'm going to mail you guys a gold star or I may email you a gold star. And so if anyone else out there has any comments for us or any thoughts about the show or just 
as always, telling us we don't know what the hell we're talking about. If you go to our main page, there is a form at the bottom of it. You don't have to put your real information in. Just put in what you want. And like I said, if you give us a comment, we'll probably read it on the show because Jeremy's mother can only write us to us so many times. (laughs) Uh, So what's everyone working on right now? Getting ready for the wonderful, wonderful holiday that is Black Friday. I call it that what it is. Uh, so we're just we're pulling this thing together. We're we're getting ready to do our last movie night for the year. Working on the plans that we want to put in for the first annual Gotham Knights Experience, um, which is going to be our own hosted Comic Con that we're kind of putting out, and um, just doing a tremendous amount of other things, along with personal merchandise and new items, and just getting all that together. So it's phenomenal. And uh, I'm just doing the same thing I do. Every episode, we have uh, two two brand new episodes of Retrovanex every month on our free feed and three more on our Patreon feed. Uh, so just a lot more of that. And I guess at this time, we're getting ready for Christmas. So we're probably doing a two-hour mail episode that no one asks for, but yet like every year. <laughs> uh, by the time this comes out, I'll probably be working on a Moroccan board game table. So um, depends, of course, when we release this one. Will you be going to the uh, Continental in Morocco? To go find materials for this, yes. That's, that's I was thinking. That's how thinking that's that. how that's how dedicated I am to these things. I was thinking. <laughs> just make sure you ask for a parlay when you go in there. They are pretty serious over there. <laughs> there you go. Though uh, the continental is that a new TV show these days? I watched all the episodes just over the weekend. So if you've enjoyed the show, please give us a review, share it with your friends. If you want to drop us a note, tell us how we are wrong, or make a movie suggestion. Just visit us at movie-smash.com. And we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening. please give us a review and share with your friends if you want to drop us a note tell us where we were wrong or give us a movie suggestion visit us at movie-smash.com